Harper's going to drop the gun, essentially, and uh, rush forward, going, Oh my god, Daphne, are you okay? Oh, Har- Harper, Harper, what are you? Uh, Fletcher's, def- oh. Fletcher's definitely going to be... Harper, don't get close to her. It's Daphne! We you were looking for her! You don't know that it's Daphne. Just, uh, just be smart about this. Oh, I knew. I couldn't... I got locked in. I couldn't... I couldn't get the... the door open. And the... I was... the breather wasn't working. I couldn't... And it looks like she she coughs up some some fluid onto the floor. Oh shit! What are you What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What do you mean the rebreather wasn't working? Why were you in the tube in the first place? I, who Who are you? I, who are you? I asked you first. You're the weird lady in the tube. Okay, answers though. Heart. Daphne, it's okay. They're here with me. They're here to help. Just like tell us what happened. Yeah, we're all we're all amethysts. You can speak freely. Daphne would never believe that you're an amethyst, okay? Ah! Don't insult her intelligence. Yeah, I mean like the auras are pretty obvious, man. <laughs> we're we're from the other cult next door. Oh, no man, you're right though. Your auras are something crazy. I can I can see them all, like actually see them. I never, I never could before. I was trying to find out what was going on with that, that bottle. The bottle I said I found. I found, I found the emails and I. All right, the pill. Found out. The pill that Eddie took, right. You, you took it? Yeah, Eddie took it. Yeah, so like, I, yeah, I took the pill. What, like, what up? It didn't have that much of an effect. Um, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. Have you been it's making already, that stuff? Like, what, where'd you kinda, get that from? No, they had. They were making it here. I came. I wanted to. I wanted to. I just wanted it to work. Who is here? Uh, who is they? The the springs. I found out that I found out where they where they had their lab here. They were growing this stuff. The stuff that they gave to that that guy, and I just I I know it was dumb. I just once once I found it, I just I wanted to I wanted to know what it was like. I never, I mean, Harper. I know you think that the rest of us are just a bunch of phonies. I was always I was always kind of jealous of you. I could tell you saw things. The rest of us only pretended to. I wanted to be or to be like you. So I you know, I took the I took the fathom. And I put myself in the tank. I wanted to really like connect with the universe, you know? Definitely, you just needed to trust in the springs. That's all I did. Alright, shut stop it. <laughs> Look are you saying that if we put Harper in that tube, she would be connected to the universe? I didn't. No, I don't. I don't know. I felt. I wanted. I wanted to feel something, but I don't know what I felt. I heard sounds. I felt things 
in the distance. I felt like I wasn't alone, but it wasn't... In the caves. Yeah. I felt my mind opening, but it wasn't like they told me it would be. It's close now. The thing that I felt with me, it's like... It's like trying to breach the surface of the water, trying to get a breath of fresh air it has been under for so long. Stan, do you still want to kill her? I- I'm, s- I'm sorry, what? What? That's a good question. Does Stan still want to um, kill her? <laughs> but, what, hey, please, please. No, Harper, please. No, you have to tell them. I didn't. Okay, I know, like, I know I broke in. You know, I know I'm not supposed to be here. But, like, I just don't. Yeah, of course we're not going to kill you. Stan, we're not going to kill her. We're not talking yeah, about time out. We're not talking about taking the action. I'm asking if Stan still has that feeling. We're not going to let Stan do it. I just want to know <laughs> if he still wants to. Why why does he want to kill me? I don't want to kill anybody, really, though. I just want I I did for a little while. I don't know why, but it did I did feel kind of that. Okay, so listen, it's been a weird night. Obviously, there is something, obviously, there's something that's happening with Stan where Stan is drawn to attacking these creatures and killing them. So if Stan still feels that way about Daphne, that means that she is infected or she's connected to one of these creatures in some way. So we're using Stan as a barometer. If Stan wants to attack her, that means that she is infected with these things. What? I don't want to be a weather balloon. Wait, okay, so. Uh, I, also, I feel like there's got to be a better way to figure that out than, like... Uh, there literally isn't. It's it's literally, like, you, you, we just point Stan at something, and if Stan gets upset about it, then that means that it is. Stan is always upset about something. It's true! That's it. That's Stan's way of being! No, it's 100% the thing, yeah. Stan has just yeah, been, like... I just... Stan was mad about the Jeep earlier. I Okay, one... I just want to point out, all right, we've been in some upsetting situations, and it is completely normal to have anxiety about this type of stuff. And y'all are the weird ones for just rolling with it when there's monsters in the woods and dead bodies and weird spores and maybe I just I, I no listen, I ain't rolling with anything. I have I have been scared about out of my freaking mind since this entire thing started, but you know what? Like we're here, we gotta fix it. So we're just trying. I'm just trying to make this this thing work. But like we we. If you got anxiety, I think they have something for that in the lab over there. No, like the problem no, is no, I have no. <laughs> the problem is I have ADHD we, and anxiety, and it's kind of like the medications sort of battle each other. So I really have to choose one, and functionality is key. I mean, you really. I mean, honestly, you really you really shouldn't trust that those like corporate pharmaceuticals for that sort of thing. No, no, look, look, guys, check it out. We cannot use the bottom bottom line of this whole thing. Can we put the bottom line of this whole thing? We we cannot use Stan as some sort of weird murder canary in the mines right now to figure out who to kill. Murder canary. Like I don't even know why we're talking about killing people. I'm not not saying that we would kill anyone, but we literally cannot have a more effective system than somebody who can sense these things and. And desires to hurt them. It's obviously something inside of Stan is keyed to do that. Something about Stan is different. Okay. I mean, for what it, for what it's worth, Stan, you're not getting any particularly like murdery vibes. I, I mean, like I don't know if it matters, but I don't really feel. Yes, you know, it matters. That's not. I don't feel that way right now. So that's good. 
cool. No, good. I'm glad we could establish that we don't need to kill Daphne. God. Daphne, Daphne, you seem to know a lot about this place. Does it connect to these caves that you were talking about? I, I'm I'm not sure. I I only once at once I saw the lab. I kind of. I don't know. I kind of went on autopilot, but I, when I was, when I was in the tube, I did, I felt almost like I could feel the whole place. It's why, it's why I started trying to hit the side of the, of the, the tank. Cause I, I feel like I felt you come in and I can feel there's more of this place. I feel. It's it's like the echoes come back from further away, like caves, maybe. Maybe, yeah. We're gonna have to take her with us. Oh, okay. I forgot. Okay, so we're gonna take Daphne with us. That's cool. Uh, Daphne, I've got some water if you'd like some. Uh, I don't think we're gonna kill you, so uh, that's cool. Um, so we've got a water divining rod. And I'm what like a because she she's just gonna like ding around and find the, the the monster way to the caves, and I'm and I'm gonna be our barometer for like murder. That's the plan right now. This is why we die in the vision. I thought we die in the vision because we don't do any of this. I mean, maybe I don't. I, there, I feel like there's a fifty fifty shot either way at this point. Honestly, like I don't think. We're doing well, is all I'm saying. Well, and I if, feel the like only we have- way, if the only way we lose is by not doing anything, we're already winning. This this really doesn't feel like winning. Like, I know I try to stay positive, but this doesn't feel like winning. Okay, Fletcher? We're going to have to head down to those, uh, <laughs> those caves, I guess. And Daphne will have to show us the way. Cave divining rod. Yep. Okay. All right. This is this is my life and how I, let's face it, most likely die. Let's uh, let's go into these caves. Not gonna end poorly. You investigate the other two doors on the left side of the room. The first appears to be a dormitory of some kind. Just a long stretch of bunk beds. Could probably accommodate um, maybe a couple dozen people, even. And then the last room is also a quarters, though it's more of a a suite, let's call it. To definitely like not not anything super impressive, but compared to the barracks next door, uh, it is quite luxurious, and notably. In the rear of this room, there is a gaping hole in the masonry, as though someone or something has just gone to town on that cinder block wall with a sledgehammer. I think we found our way in. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't, I don't feel murdery yet, but I, I guess we can. Yeah, I'm, I'm down to keep going. All right, Daphne. Lead the way. As you step through the hole and into these caves, it's this 
off-putting setting. Just with small corridors kind of stretching out to different sides of you. The height changing rapidly. Difficult to find a, a gate or a place to stand fully. And Eddie and Harper, you can still hear that pulsing drumming that you had heard before, that echoing vibration. In fact, you've still been able to hear it for a while. You just didn't realize that it had ceased being rhythmic and had just become this constant tone. This deep vibration beneath everything. Yo, is anyone else hearing that, like, uh, that deep throbbing vibration that's just kind of like... It's like static in my brain just kind of consuming everything. It's real hard to, to like, focus or... Yeah, are, you, I, are you hearing that? Yeah, I absolutely hear it. Doesn't everybody? I will say, though, now at this point, Harper and Eddie, you no longer feel claustrophobic or clammy. Feels, uh... Good to be good to be dry, good to breathe the fresh air again. I actually feel pretty good though about this direction. This is this is actually feeling I think we're on the right track. No, my like my head hurts like hell, but like the sweating stops, so that's cool. You see why that's concerning, right? What, me feeling good? As we head closer to the heart of this thing, you both start feeling better. I just think it's nice to get some fresh air, that's all. Yeah, I just think it was that room that was the problem. It it's just ugh. It's not fresh air. We're literally going deeper underground. Stan, you are definitely getting kind of a flashback to the impressions that you got earlier from your connection. And you again f- kind of feel echoes of that that drive, that seeking force and you almost feel like you know where to go you can't explain how you've never been in here before but it's almost like a sense of deja vu how's my heartburn uh pretty bad oh <gasps> uh especially now that you're in the caves pretty bad yeah no i i think i know where we gotta go let's uh and he just walks away towards the direction that he knows to go. Sure. Why not? Okay. Also, I knew you called it throbbing. Okay? Yeah. I mean, your word's not mine, but it's pretty accurate. It was your words. You called it throbbing. <laughs> I have vindication. <laughs> Stan guides you through this switchback of passages run deeper, much deeper than you would have thought under the hills. Until finally, you find yourself in this large gallery. There are stalagmites that stretch up to this 
cathedral ceiling, almost like columns or teeth. There are benches of stone that you can't tell whether they were carved or if they just somehow formed themselves out of the earth. And on the other end, there is a massive henge, almost like a runestone etched with images and a script that reminds you of the patterns the fungus formed itself into, the sigils and figures that, for some reason, only Fletcher can understand, though you never remember learning it. I've... I've seen these before. Yeah, uh, okay. Where? Uh, the, uh, the intersection, that fork in the road back in the, in the woods, there was the, um, the fungus growing on the tree and, uh, the patterns that it made, the sigils almost, that was, these, these are exactly the same. All right. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, obviously it means it's weird. <laughs> obviously it means everything is connected. Uh, I mean, all of this is, is connected. Harper being, Harper being part of this and, and having these, this like sight and, and these visions from being in the, in the water of the springs. And Stan being able to sense these things and having some sort of primal instinct to attack them. And me being drawn here in the first place and recognizing these symbols somehow from some sort of shared ancestral memory or something. I mean, it can't be coincidence. As your eyes adjust to the shadows cast by your headlamps. You see near the base of the stone there is something small, something white. This hunched figure. It looks almost like it's wearing a a thin lace shawl. How does Stan feel about this figure? Murdery? You definitely feel this this blood pounding in your ears, but something about what you're looking at right in front of you seems familiar. Underneath that shawl, there's this, this kneeling figure. You recognize the hoodie they're wearing. You think this is Clara? Stan, like, dart, not darts forward, but just, just, like, very fast strides directly straight line to her. Clara? Oh, shit. She is encased 
in this thin fungal webbing. Stan, come. Don't get too close. No, we got to get this off of her. It could be hurting her. Don't touch it. You you know we better. G- we got the girl out of the tank. Why can't we get her out of this webbing? Just because get like Daphne, a knife or. Daphne wasn't covered in this stuff. You don't even know if you can save her. You don't even know if you can touch it safely. How's my heartburn? It's it's still pretty bad. <gasps> okay, just Clara, I. I'm trying not to touch her, but I think Stan's actually gonna just reach out and touch. <laughs> actually, as you do, you notice like you in it's pretty thin, it's pretty gossamer, you're able to pull it off of her pretty easily. And even though it's pretty sticky, as you touch it, you notice the strands suddenly almost like reflexively fleeing your fingertips. Like dropping detergent onto grease. I look back at Fletcher and I go, I told you, it doesn't like me. And I start like ripping it off of her, just my hands almost clawed a little bit in a in an animalistic way and just kind of like pulling this off of my friend. Okay, like I get I get that's incredibly helpful, but also like this is Eddie kind of talking to Fletcher. I get, I get that that's incredibly helpful, but also like uh, something bad's going to happen, isn't it? Isn't there? Like I got, I got to. You know what? I'm going to roll to trust my gut. Uh, I'm, th- I'm over three at this point. Uh, Do it. I'm, I'm gonna fucking pass this roll, but I haven't rolled yet this session, so it seems like a good time to do. It. Um. <laughs> Tell the audience what you've done. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, that's a six. Um, okay, I am over. I am over four. No, I'm. I'm holding the track record. I have zero for four on this skill that I have plus one two. <laughs> I'm just gonna drive this thing to the ground. I trust my gut. Um, does Stan need help? Stan needs help. We should probably rescue uh, Clara, right? Clara seems cool. You know, I'm, uh, Fletcher, between you and me, like, I think I think caution's good, but, like, we gotta help these people out. So, um, can you hold this camera? I'm gonna get in there and, like, start, start tearing this stuff off, because Stan needs a hand. I am absolutely not taking that camera. It's it's real expensive and it's honestly not mine. It belongs to the college. That's fine, uh, but we're not. I'm not putting any of us at a disadvantage just to film things. If you want to film things, I suppose I can't stop you. But I'm not being your cameraman. All right, figure. I figured I'd ask. Uh, you see Eddie like the camera just like points down to the ground, like watches his shoes like scamper across and goes over to stand, tries to help stand like pull this webbing off, um, and it's like. Well, Stan, I think you're doing the right thing. I think we got to get Clara out of here. You pull this webbing off of Clara, but for you, it doesn't seem like it's nearly as easy to get off. It's it's sticky. It clings to her. It clings to you. It almost kind of has entangled you in it. Stop, 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 stop. Don't move. Don't move. Just let me get, and I try to wipe it off of Eddie. And... 
Eddie, as you look down at it, you can see the individual strands of it reacting and standing on end like hairs. And maybe it's just a little bit of whatever you took still in your system, but it's like they're pointing to something. And you look up into this dark corner vestibule, and you see a tall, pale, horned shape. You see, standing there in the flesh, the Sheep Squatch. I think, I think Eddie uh, takes a second slowly like just tilts the camera upward as like Stan is pulling strands off he's like get off get off get off hey. and just points up to the ceiling with like his other hand while he's holding the camera he's like guys we freaking found it do the rest of us see it oh yeah if you follow where Eddie's pointing oh yeah it's there in the flesh Harper, you, even in the shadows, you recognize this up close as being what you saw in your vision outside of Adam's house. Gaunt, with veins bulging out at strange, angular configurations, eyes white, hair wisping out and blending with this peach fuzz of the spores emerging from his pores. Skull fractured as these two appendages that have grown out of him emerge from his head. These uneven horns or antenna or you're not even sure what they are. That actually makes a lot of sense. What about this situation makes sense? Yeah, he, no, I agree with Harper here. That thing looks nothing like the picture in the book I have. I mean, it, not probably not the time or place to get into this, but like obviously it was never covered in wool. It was covered in fungus. That makes sense. It's dead. It's animated, obviously. And, and then I look up to see if it is hostile as well. <laughs> <laughs> It cocks its head towards Eddie. Oh, shit. And two things happen at the same time. First, the shawl that Stan is trying to remove from Clara itself seems to animate, becoming this airborne mist lifting up into the air of its own accord and seeming to dematerialize into this this ether that surrounding Stan suddenly becomes sharp. And Stan, you feel the individual particles suddenly dig into your skin like shards of broken glass. And you take one harm. Uh, Stan actually cries out at this and kind of like 
stops digging at the the spider whips and uh but in a weird moment is trying to reach for the burning while that is happening eddie you almost as soon as you have gotten your first shaky shot of the sheep squatch and you see it turn towards you you almost feel the cavern lengthen and everything seems very far away. And the sense of disorientation that you got upon first taking the fathom overwhelms you. And you drop the camera and you yourself collapse to the ground, suddenly convulsing and retching as though there is something inside of you that is rebelling. You do not take a harm, but you are temporarily incapacitated. And also you drop the camera. Oh no, the camera! <laughs> can I... Okay. Can I do a thing? Yeah, I go down. <laughs> you may. Uh, seeing... Seeing uh, Eddie go down and in obvious pains, so I imagine he's clutching like his stomach. Um, I think Fletcher's gonna kind of try to put two and two together, and is is basically gonna cry out and rush forward, uh, drop to his knees next to Eddie, and as he goes, he's gonna he's gonna say, "Harper, keep that thing in your sights." Uh, and then is going to try to put his hands over Eddie's, uh, Eddie's stomach and try to literally draw this, uh, whatever is inside of him out through his mouth with, uh, the force of his will. He's, he's just kind of trying, like, like his hands are magnets, gonna try to guide it up eddie's body and out of his mouth so i'm going to try to take hold of that and just draw it out of him um i would like to use magic to banish a spirit or curse from the person object or place it inhabits that sounds fantastic okay let me see if it works uh it is a nine so there is going to be a glitch um so i chose my effect my glitch is going to be i think the obvious choice would probably be to draw immediate unwelcome attention um and that is uh that is up to brendan to describe what what happens exactly but it, the effect should work all right cool uh describe uh, how that looks yeah i don't i don't know what this thing is but like i said just sort of i have hands over uh eddie's body and i kind of just sort of like reach out to feel anything alien or strange inside of Eddie's body. And I want to sort of take hold of it with my willpower and kind of laying my hands over Eddie's body, just kind of run it up like a, like a magnet, almost like it's trapped in, in sort of a stasis field inside of him, just sort of run it up his body um, and try to pull it out through, uh, through his mouth, essentially. So kind of forcing him to uh, expel whatever this thing is from inside of him. You do so, and Eddie, you retch and cough, and as you do, you exhale this stream of steam that forms into this kind of ethereal plasm similar to what is attacking Stan, though it is contained by Fletcher's power. 
holy, holy, oh, wow, gee, holy, sh- holy shit, what, what? <coughs> Thanks. Wow. <coughs> just, just get back, just get back behind Harper. Yeah, that's real gross. Okay, I'm moving. <coughs> and Flesher, you look up at the sheep squatch, and for the first time, it looks like the cracked skin of its face shifts. It moves. It almost smirks slightly, and you feel something just in the back of your mind behind you, and looking up at the runestone. It's like the letters are moving. They're changing configuration. Do I understand what they are saying as they change? You only get flashes of meaning. Dream. Wave. Collapsing. Rescue. And you hear this kind of distant ticking. Or you think it's a ticking. Almost like a safe cracker opening a lock. Harper, what do you do? Uh, if the the weird figure thing looks like it's doing stuff, I'm I'm gonna try to shoot it. Okay. Which is you're, gonna go great because this is my bad stat. You're gonna do a shoot at it with your gun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a shoot. You're gonna shoot a murder at it. And I get a six. You got luck. That's true. You, so you could either mark an experience or you could use a luck point. Um, I mean, I actually went into this expecting to fail, uh, and she was going to do the gun first before she, you know, has to switch to magic eventually. So this, the, I, I, I intended to fail that role. <laughs> For the record, I've intended to fail all the roles that I've failed too. So, like, I've never. (laughs) (laughs) Same. I think it's hilarious when I fail. All part of my plan. Hey, well, Harper, do you want to describe how this uh, how this thrilling exploit goes for you? I think she um, like goes to shoot at it, and it's just that at uh, either she just shoots wide or it moves at the last second, actually, and dodges. But either way, she just. Instead of hitting the figure, she actually just shoots into, like, the solid rock face behind it. Yep. You you level, and you fire, and you could have sworn that it was there a second ago. Though maybe you only imagined it was. Um, and I think at that, she would then start tapping into trying to at least use her her other senses to try to maybe see if it in fact moved or if she's actually seeing it correctly. But if you wanted to let other people do stuff before she gets to, like, do a sense. Cool. cool. Yeah, that's fine. Stan, what you up to, bud? So Stan reaches for the burning. I'm gonna, I gave a thing to you. So I'm going to let you handle that one. Um, but in this moment, what Stan's going to do, uh, by my direction, is used... T- 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 
Oh, where is it? Use Unquenchable Vitality, which is going to let me roll plus cool. And on a 10 plus, I heal two harm. Stabilize injuries. On a 7 to 9, I heal one harm. Stabilize injuries. So I'm going to get rid of that that injury. Because Stan doesn't quite know that he can fight them yet. But let's do the thing. That is an eight, so I uh, heal one harm and stabilize. I don't have any injuries, but that harm that it just inflicted on me when I reach for the burning, there's a tingle underneath my skin. And for anyone watching, it's the same exact thing that Fletcher actually saw, where it's almost like little tendrils of blackness take the cuts and sort of close them from the inside. Flesher gets a glimpse of the blood that was running down Stan's face from the cuts inflicted by the mist, literally just getting slurped back up by the closing wounds. That seems fine. Um... (laughs) That should, be, that should work itself out. Uh, just, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Stan, but if it's motivating Stan to kill these things, then it's good in my book. <laughs> the black tendrils inside of Stan are good, actually. Eddie, you, after Fletcher has done his thing, you are suddenly feeling much more clear-headed uh, and not suddenly vertigo and sickly as you were before. Okay, so I've got a Clara and a Sheep Squatch that I could deal with, and Clara is doing what now? Clara seems almost comatose. And what's the Sheep Squatch doing? Menacing? Preparing to attack? Uh, presently menacing. It's like, though you you look over to where you had seen it before, and it's still there, but like, kind of off from where you thought it was. I would like to try to scare the sheep squatch away. I'm listening. I would like to shoot a firework at it. (laughs) I don't have guns, uh, but it makes perfect sense that I would have, like, uh, you know what? I'm going to roll. This actually is the very way to do it. I'm going to roll for this. This is for the uh, the expert move? Yes. Okay. Uh, Because it's a little more, like, it makes sense to be like, hey, I have flashlights, whatever. I sh- probably shouldn't have to roll for, like, packing flashlights. But, um, as I'm going through my tabs. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Go. Let's see how. Uh, something unusual or rare. Uh, I think a flare gun is a little unusual. So, I'm going to roll plus sharp for that. Uh, which is also at a plus one. Spoiler. Uh, that's very accurate. Oh, okay. Mixed success. Um, I have it, but not here. Um, so I I have a thing for this, if you would like. Yeah, go for it. So you did actually remember to bring a flare gun, like a Mexican fireworks grade flare gun, except it was in the duffel bag. And as you 
were trusting your gut and getting the camera out to go help Clara, you dropped the duffel bag on the other side of the gallery, more or less directly at the feet of the Sheep Squatch. All right. I'm going to try to get it, but I'm going to wait for someone else to go after the Sheep Squatch. I'm just going to yell... I gotta get my duffel bag. I think I can. I think I can scare it off if we get it. But uh, <laughs> help! Guess that would be a uh, Fletcher in that case. Yeah, Fletcher. I think is is just sort of gonna fix the the sheep squatch with a with a glare, and just, yeah, just sort of look at it very evenly, and and is gonna say to it, "We both know why I'm here." And this is your chance to leave of your own free will. Um, and I think sort of to drive the point home, because I still sort of have this, um, you said it's like an ethereal sort of fire. It's sort of a, a glistening mist. Okay. Sort of a glistening mist that I pulled out of, uh, pulled out of, uh, Eddie. Um, in my hand, and I, I would like to, if possible, sort of try to drive the point home by just sort of snuffing it out. Um, if you want me to roll for that, I can. I don't. I don't know how strong this thing is. If it's just like something I can do or or not. No, that's that is that is fine. You snuff it out in your hand, like nothing remains of it. Having said that, though, the Sheep Squatch, it looks at you, and again you see its face move, its rictus jaw unhinging as it draws in a rasping, labored breath to speak. Again. All right. Guess that's gonna be a uh, a uh, Harper then. Um, I wanted to. I think I am gonna now default to trying to use my my psychic powers to to do a thing on it. Which would be um, the big whammy. Can use your powers to kick some ass. And the attack has two harm, close, obvious, ignore armor. But on a miss, I'll get magical backlash. So let me go ahead and roll. This is the first time Harper's ever done anything like this, right? It's probably kind of a big deal. Well, first let's see how the roll goes and then we'll decide how big a deal it is. Yeah! Okay, it's a big deal. Um, <laughs> that's true, because uh, up until now, she's, like, done um, the, you know, the vision stuff, and I think she even did, like, jinxing, where it was more like causing coincidences to happen, but this is going to be the first time she sort of almost, uh, I think, taps into stuff she didn't even realize she could do. Um, but I think she's starting to freak out that this is not going well, as far as she can tell. And, um, 
sort of in a panic, I think she actually sort of flings out a hand and causes one of those like stalactites to sort of crumble and break and slam into the sheep squatch to hit it that way. And that is what happens. You see the sheep squatch suddenly stumble backward as if struck in the chest and it falls into a stalagmite just in time for, coincidentally, a stalactite above it to fall down from the ceiling, almost clenching it in a pincer grip. I die for the duffel bag. At this point, the sheep squatch turns, trying to free itself from the rubble and affixes its lidless, cataract gaze on Harper. Who could have predicted that this would happen? And you feel hands clench around your neck from behind you. You can't see anything. You... Bring up your hands, and you feel nothing, but you can't breathe, and you can feel it compressing your windpipe, and you drop to the ground, taking one harm. At the same time, that mist hovering in front of Stan is once again wrapping itself around you, thinning out into almost an aurora that actually glows with its own light. And you actually feel that burning in you subside somewhat. I think Stan gets scared when he feels the burning go away, because whether consciously or not, he's been relying on it. Uh, and he scrambles immediately as far away from this thing, like just fully back to much more Stan, uh, you know, scrambling away and just trying to get out away from this thing because it's going to hurt him. I think I might need a rule for that. I think. I would say act under pressure. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is because uh, he's not helping out yet. <laughs> Ooh, uh, unfortunately Stan, in this moment where he's lost sort of the connection he's been feeling this whole time and it's not it's suddenly not there for him. He is floundering, and uh, yeah, he's he's not doing well. You you back away and retreat into an alcove, and as you pass through this coiling aurora, you feel this 
chill, this cold that stands in opposition to the heat you have felt welling up inside you. And it's almost like you could feel the flame guttering and dying to embers. I think there's something where I can take the damage instead, but let me check that. Nope, unfortunately, that is a skill I do not have. My poor guide is getting hurt. Uh, Stan's going to try to get away eventually uh, once you come back around to me, so. Eddie, what do you do? Eddie dies for his duffel bag and uh, is going to grab that flare gun. Okay, yep. The Sheep Squatch is distracted at the moment. You dive into the duffel bag and you, after rummaging around, uh, do you want to describe some uh, other items <laughs> that uh, that go flying? Uh, yeah, 100%. I think there's like, um, is probably a couple bottles of water. Uh, there's probably some like rope that he threw in there at one point. There's a pair of like, uh, um, like some climbing equipment that's been just thrown off to the side that he brought with. Uh, there's a disposable early 2000s, like, uh, <laughs> uh, Kodak camera that you just like twist and take little flash pictures of that you get developed at like Rite Aids. Uh, there's a couple power bars. And then finally he like reaches down and pulls out the flare gun and then dives further down into the bag and like pulls out a just ludicrously old looking, uh, flare that he like loads into like the single shot chamber of this flare gun that he absolutely bought from the surplus store, uh, <laughs> a couple months back and it's been hanging on to. Um, and I'd like to take a shot at the Sheep Squatch with it. Kick some ass. Whew, yeah. Um, about that. <laughs> I made a choice, but we'll see how it plays out. I think, uh, let me roll first. Hey, mixed success. Okay. Uh, I think Eddie just, like, slams the flare into this uh, gun, points at the Sheep Squatch, and just says, Hey, no reasons to let our tempers flare out of control. Boom! <laughs> and fires this flare. <laughs> Cavern lights up bright red. <laughs> Can I just compliment your sound there? That was pretty good flare yeah, sound. That was, some, that was some solid Foley work. That's how I do. That's how I do. <laughs> the flare explodes in front of you. In fact, you're not sure if it's just because it is so old or because you have never actually fired one of these things before, but your hands are badly burned in the process. You take one harm. But it streaks across the room and strikes the sheep squatch dead on. In fact, it almost seems to embed itself in its rib cage, and you can see it burning inside of it. You see a glow actually seem to rise up from its throat in hollow places in its body that you didn't realize you were seeing into the deeper shadows of before. And it 
screams. A sound like you've never heard before. Something you feel in the feelings of your teeth and the bottom of your soul. Damn. Fletcher. Yeah, it is still trapped under the stalactites, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Fletcher would like to step up to it just a little bit closer, uh, and sort of, I guess, stand over it, look down at it, remembering it's, it's very pointed, and who are you again? And he's gonna, with the, with the, uh, black ash staff in his hand, he's going to, uh, say, oh, you haven't heard? And then he's going to tap the end on the ground so that that same sort of like flame that evaporated the herbs pops like ignites at the top. And he's going to say, I'm Fletcher Bane and I'm from Scotland. And then he's just going to flip the staff over, point it down and just blast this thing with fire from the end of the staff. Or try to anyway. <laughs> This is also the closest uh, Fletcher Bane will also ever come to acknowledging himself as uh, uh, Scottish Daddy. That's amazing. <laughs> so that's a seven. Uh, I might want to burn luck. I don't think I have this session. No, you have not used a luck point yet okay. this session. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, it does have an, an added effect for me as the chosen. Uh, but anyway, all right. So I'm Mark Luck. I changed that roll to a 12. Um, I am going to do, this is magic. Uh, actually using the staff itself. Yeah, that would be better. Uh, okay. Hmm. No, I don't think I can do that. Okay, all right, no worries. Uh, 12 plus the magic works without issues. Choose your effect. I'm going to inflict harm. It is one harm. It ignores armor. It is magic, and it is obvious. Um, but also, when I spend a luck point, the keeper will throw something from your fate at you. And my fate is visions, magical powers, death, and doubt. You... And I think this is going to be the scientific term we're going to use here. Um, my apologies to any layman listening at home, but um, Fletcher explodes the sheep squatch. Yes. Pieces of glowing ashes descend like a snowfall of fireflies throughout the cavern. Basically, nothing remains of it. What pieces of it do seem to be coming apart without the animating consciousness to hold it together. And yet, in the midst of this, Fletcher, you feel empty. You don't feel the satisfaction that you thought you would. This is what you were here to do, right? Right? What is everybody else doing? Please don't kill Stan, Scottish Daddy. <laughs> don't, don't be here to kill Stan. 
Uh, I think Eddie is just after having shot the flare and is like still filming, just looks up from the camera having seen all that. It's just like, okay, well that was, uh, that was the scariest and the coolest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so holy shit. (laughs) As, uh, is Clara good? Are we, is she okay? So Stan is, uh, not over by Clara anymore. Uh, if, if you look around, expecting him to be by Clara and, and see if she's okay, like, he's actually... You see him kind of in this, like, inlet in the cavern, like, it's just full of darkness. And he's shivering, like, it's the coldest he's ever been. Uh, you, you good, Stan? I think Fletcher is just sort of standing there, sort of looking at the the black ash staff in his hands and is just kind of lost in thought, not even really picking up on what's going on around him. Um, can Harper breathe again? Like, did the um, hands disappear? It does, yes. You can breathe again. Alright, I think she would first sort of just, like, stale, be on her knees, like, sort of coughing um, for a minute and sort of lurch to her feet to sort of I guess start heading over in the general direction that everybody else is. Uh, you good? You good, Harper? Yeah, I just, I just need a minute. Is that is that it? Did we did we do it? I think we did it. I, I think, but I think something's up with Stan. I'm gonna go check on him. I'm gonna try again to act under a new pressure. <laughs> But it's not my skill. <laughs> Yay! Mixed success. Seven. Right, what What are you trying to do? Uh, Stan wants to get away from the coldness, and it's it's kind of he he he's trying to protect the fire. He's trying to protect the burning. Uh. Because it scared him when it started to disappear. And the fact that it feels so small, like it's just a little piece now sitting kind of in the center underneath his breastbone. Like he, you know, he's got his hand over that spot and he's he's shivering in the dark and he's scared. And he's just trying to scramble away from whatever is trying to kill this flame. You hunch over and desperately, desperately try to rekindle this feeling inside you. Desperately just pressing against your heart. And after what feels like days, it returns. You feel that warmth suddenly not a burning like it was something gentler something more manageable something more in control though as you stand you try to breathe deeply and catch yourself because you are pretty sure you have broken a rib do I take a harm, or is that an injury? You do. <laughs> you, you take a harm. Okay. 
you didn't even realize you were that strong. I did not. No, it keeps happening. You, you never were before. <laughs> it's so weird that that keeps happening where I just, you know, pop things. <laughs> uh, Stan, as you're coming towards him in the shadows, he just sort of stumbles out awkwardly, his hand just pressed deeply to his chest. Uh, and you don't know if he's trying to force, like, keep something in force something back like it's it just looks a little weird because he's pressed harder than looks natural or comfortable and he's kind of curled over himself you uh you hurt stan we got i've got like a first aid kit um what's up i just gotta keep it warm (sighs) and he's like curled in still like his body is shivering a little, like he's trying to warm up. And okay, uh, I got I got one of those foil blankets. Uh, you know the ones that come like in the in the small package, and once you unfold them, they're impossible to fold back up. I got one of those. Uh, let me, let me grab that for you. But you're not hurt or anything, right? No, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. We're okay. All right. And Eddie, unwrap. You know what I'm talking about, right? The little solar. Uh, blankets like unwraps one of those absurd <laughs> uh, silver monstrosities and like hands it to Stan. It's like it'll, it's gonna work better when we get out in the sunlight, but uh, that's something, I guess. Clara slowly seems like she is coming to, and she looks up at the stone slab at the center of the room. And you follow her gaze, and you see that the surface of it has changed, visibly. The ruined markings are all gone. The only thing that remains is a single image, a single carving, dominating the entire face of the stone. This tall, crude, robed figure, arms outstretched, three fingers, or possibly talons, on each hand, a hood, or possibly a halo, behind it, in the shape of a peaked circle, almost an ace of spades. And though it has no outline of a face, you can clearly discern two large, vast, fathomless eyes. So what are you going to do for your project? Look, I can edit this whole thing to make it look real cool. And we could also like, if you really, well, if you really want, I can leave you guys out of it, but I can get the sheep squashed and some cool, uh, I mean, the stuff in there from the camera. The project's supposed to be about why people want to believe this stuff, but it's not real, right? Like that's the whole idea of the class. So we can't, but I mean, can, but it, but it is. Real. Yeah, but we can't write that and get a good grade. 
Like, we have to have it skirt that edge where it's like, here's how it sounds really believable. Ha 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 ha. If you were had problems or you wanted to believe that, which these are the type of people that would want to believe that. And then we turn that in and, you know, it's real, but then we make it sound slightly not real. Does that make sense? Okay, I can I, look. I can edit this thing like one of those weird, uh, one of those weird unsolvable murder documentaries where it's just like, here's the stuff we saw. What does it mean, right? And then we can let the the audience kind of draw their own conclusion. I'm gonna have to chop out a lot of stuff, but like, I got plenty of shaky cam. I got plenty of like weird shadow stuff. Uh, so that wasn't intentional. I just you know I was scared and running. So that's what here's a here's uh, a thought, <laughs> and let me know how you feel about this idea. What mm-hmm. what yeah. if we don't use any of the footage from this? Eddie makes something that completely phones it in. You get C's, and nobody ever knows about what just happened. Uh, I cannot get a C. I'm still trying to graduate. <laughs> I don't mean to be rude to you, Harper, but it's community college. <laughs> C's do dick get degrees. Uh, I mean, that's a thing. Okay, not all of us are just traveling internationally to, like, what? Go on vacation and play in the dirt, okay? Some of us are trying to, like, build our career here, so. <laughs> Your uh, future career as a, uh, never mind. It's, it's hospitality management, right? Is that what you... Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, I see, I do that. Stan. Yeah, right? Maybe don't work for the weird cult that might have turned Daphne into a monster, though, yeah? It's a weird way yeah, to pronounce it's... crystal cult. Hospitality management, never heard that one. <laughs> I, I, do like, I do like crystal cult, actually. It's got a nice ring to it. Uh, look... Okay, I'll meet you in the middle. If you let me, let me use the footage from the actual underground facility, right? The bunker. I just, we'll just have some of that stuff, like we're doing some urban urban exploration, uh, and then I can just link that back to uh, the Denver airport, right? And just do a whole. Because I already have a thing about that uh, in one of my episodes, so I'll just kind of blend that together. Use some images from that research. Use some stuff we have now, and be like, "Oh God, there was one done out west. This is the one done in the east." Short, whatever you want. I mean, maybe don't don't mention like the bodies and stuff, and the missing people, and the and the spa, and the, the Fletcher didn't really do that. Ma- we can't mention the magic. No, no, I'm gonna cut all that out. Uh, I do want to sit down and talk to you though uh, about all that cool stuff, but <laughs> doesn't have to go. Doesn't have to go into our class discussion. I can just... Okay, but what's the spin? I can just make a cool documentary about a fallout shelter uh, here in West Okay, so it's the spin that we make it look fake enough that, like... But we do have to, like, psychologically evaluate why people would want to believe that, right? Let's... Just put it together. We'll we'll put the rest together. You put down... You put together the conspiracy and we'll put together the reason people would want to believe that. Man, look, I didn't put together the conspiracy. The U.S. government spent over $2.2 billion to put together this conspiracy. Good. I'm just the one that read about it. <laughs> yeah. it and on that note, you you guys throw together the presentation and the paper. Uh, you turn it in 
to uh, Dr. Arbogast, and he is mm, bemused and uh, ultimately gives you all a B-. minus. It could have been an A, but I mean... Are you ever going to find a position in the hospitality Do it! Finish that sentence! Are you ever going to find a position... <laughs> Let me get it my joke actually... out. Let me get my joke out. <laughs> How are you ever going to find a position in the hospitality management industry without a glowing community college transcript? <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It's a little funny. Okay. Maybe it's the accent. I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, B minuses don't get amethyst. We all know this. Oh, no, man. <sighs> so. I saw her do that thing. You don't want things to fall from the ceiling. All right. So it is actually as you are leaving class, still fuming over your B minus that Harper, you get a phone call. I answer the phone call. Hello, is this Miss Caldwell? Uh, yes, this is she. Ah, this is Dr. Weston from Delphia Springs. I think we, um, met briefly oh, the other uh, night. Yes, Dr. Weston, yes. Um, I'm, I know who you are, um... What what can I do for you? Well, I I uh, apologize if this is presumptuous, but I I wanted to be the first to congratulate you. We had our uh, committee meeting last night, the court of honor, and uh, it was decided unanimously that it's high past time that you got your amethyst certification. We're all looking forward to your budding career, and I'm looking forward to working with you much more closely in the future. Oh, that's great. I'm so excited. Congratulations again, Ms. Caldwell. We'll have to celebrate at some point. Absolutely. <laughs> Fletcher, you, after class, Sure decides to swing past your apartment. Gonna drop off some stuff. Maybe see if you can uh, fly down a ride out to the dig site later. As you are heading up the stairs to your apartment, you actually see your landlady dropping off a package. A banker's box, it looks like. Oh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bain, I didn't, uh, d- didn't, didn't see it coming up the stairs. I well, I just uh, I just got home. No, no problem. No problem. Oh, I just um didn't mean to uh, intrude or anything. I just happened. To, I heard from um Chesley downstairs that you were uh, interested in some of those old um, Robert Craven books. I found the one and that caught my interest. Yeah. So I, you know, it's funny <laughs> that you 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 mention it. I um. I know I'm something of kind of a kind of a collector of kind of old old local books. Um, and honestly, like the 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 Robert Craven books, they were always just um, a big favorite of mine when I was a kid. So I don't know. I thought yeah, maybe if you were interested in one, I just I, I brought you I brought you some more. Um, you know, just from my collection. I think honestly, I think he wrote about a half dozen of them in all. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, you know, if you like, if you like the one, maybe check out the others. Let me know what you think. Um, thank you so much. That's so generous of you. I uh, really appreciate that. Um, and everything else you've done for me. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's not a, not a, not a problem at all, hon. He was from around here, wasn't he? Or so Chesley said. Uh, Robert Craven? Yeah, no, he was a, he was a local author. Um, gosh, it has to be almost a hundred years ago now, I think. 1920s, time like that. The publishing company who put out his works was also local, wasn't it? But I, I wasn't able to find much information about them. Yeah, it was a pretty small outfit. They tried to kind of capitalize on the paper mill being here to, you know, easily produce books, but it never really, and it never really took off. Um, so I think it's why I think why a lot of, why a lot of, um, Craven's works never got a, a lot of wide circulation, which is kind of a shame. I mean, like he's, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's like, you know, great literature, but I mean, if you're looking for, you know, kind of like, you know, young adventure fiction, like, honestly, it's, it's great stuff. That's interesting. I would have liked to have met the man, but thank you. I, I appreciate this. Oh, sure thing. Uh, you know, hey, um, come down to the, uh, the, the bar leader. Um, I'll have, uh, just whip you up something. Sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Fletcher will go into his apartment and, you know, sort of drop off his bag and stuff and he'll open up the box to just sort of idly flip through the, the books just to kind of see if anything else catches attention the way the first one did. Opening it up, there is a stack of probably about five books in there, and the cover of the first one, uh, otherwise very unadorned, but it reads in dark, embossed script, The Ashen Stave by Robert Craven. Stan, you swing by your place after class. Uh, your dad's been working a lot of long shifts, um, with the disappearances, with, uh, the finding a dead body. So he hasn't really been around too much. And frankly, when he has been, you've kind of been trying to avoid him a little bit. Not sure if you're ready for that conversation yet. But you go up stairs throw yourself down on the bed and try to just decompress a little bit. And as you dream, you find yourself standing on the shores of a vast ocean, wine-dark surf reflecting an impossibly crimson sky. The sun hangs low over the horizon, much larger than you've ever seen it, smoldering like charcoal. All around you are cyclopean ruins of a black, reflective stone, and the ground is littered with the detritus of a landscape reclaimed by nature. Whatever nature is here. Pivoting around, almost floating on air, you pass shattered, mirrored columns that all reflect back some vision of you except one. Alone among the blasted obsidian rubble, a single slab beckons with a visage unknown to you. 
across the empty courtyard, you stare at it, testing its reactions as it mirrors your motions. Try as you might, though, you can't get closer. Straining your eyes to make out its contours against the dark surface that surrounds it, but all that the shadows allow is the shape of carapace and the impression of wings. Eddie! <laughs> you know, not necessarily the most pleased with the work that you turned in on the project. Like, I mean, but what do you expect? Like, they weren't letting you use your best material, after all. Like, I mean, come on. B minus. Like, like no, you, you worked for that. It wasn't the greatest, and I'm not gonna lie, like, I'm going to have to go to where Fletcher and Harper live because they have not been returning my calls. Uh, they're supposed to sit down and do like an interview with me. And uh, it's, it's been a little bit. And I, I'm kind of hoping they'll get back to me sooner rather than later. But I might just pop by and say hi, you know? You swing on home. Stop by the Dairy Mart. Somehow. Hey, Grace. Somehow, somehow still picking up the bag of frozen pizza rolls. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what my mom asked for. Sure, sure is. Stop home. And your mom mentions that a package came for you. Oh, thanks, Ma. Uh, was it in the kitchen? Uh, no, I left it on your bed. Okay. No, I'll, uh, I'll go check that out. Thanks for grabbing that. Uh, hey, I got the pizza rolls, by the Did way, you so. Get the, you know what? I don't, I, you know what? I got a job interview I gotta go to. We can talk about this later. Cool, love you. And I'm the best son. <laughs> heading upstairs, sitting on your bed is a it is a postage envelope with no return address. What the hell is this? Alright. I wanna open it. Contained within is a large floppy disk. And on it in faded Sharpie, it reads, Parapsychology, Senior Project, Erwin Arbogast, 1992, Cavern Springs, West Virginia. Hi, everyone. If you couldn't tell already, this is Brendan. Your, uh, professor? Man? I guess? That is it for Season 1 of Cryptid Community College, and I just wanted to take a second to thank all of you so much for coming along on this wild ride with us. I know that we all had a blast making it, even with all of the ups and downs of it being our first ever production of this type. You are not quite done hearing from us yet, though. We've got a bonus episode arriving soon with some of the stuff that uh, didn't quite make it into the podcast proper. And we're also not done cranking out content on Live from the Apocalypse, either. If you haven't checked out Academy H, our teen superhero podcast, or any of our live stream games on Twitch, you really owe it to yourself to check them out. They're all a crazy time, and they all benefit great causes as well. And to let you know more about where you can find those, I think I'm going to let pre-recorded me take it away. Cryptid Community College is a Live from the Apocalypse production. 
Our audio producers are Aaron Daggermanjan and Brendan Sherlock. Soundtrack provided by Matan Uchen. Find them on Twitter at SadTitled. You can follow the show, as well as our other productions, at Live from the Apoc on Twitter, at Live from the Apocalypse on Instagram, and on twitch.tv slash Live from the Apocalypse. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and share it with your friends. A big thank you to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next class. <laughs>